Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Yeah, welcome in here on a Tuesday night. It's Mackie, Judd, our executive producer, Declan, and our friend, Realistic Randy. Find him on his own YouTube channel. Thanks for hanging out with us. And thanks for watching us on a TCL TV, if that is indeed what you guys are doing. Supporting the show, TCL is one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. Has a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Judd's got the surly. Randy is probably not as surly as he has been in previous weeks after back-to-back wins. Let's turn it over to Realistic Randy. What is on your mind tonight, sir? Well, I did say last week that if the Vikings managed to beat Green Bay, that I would entertain the idea of, okay, maybe they can flip their season around. And I don't know if that's going to be the case, but it's certainly in their favor to do so after these last two games. Because the Vikings are now, they're now embracing through play on the field and PR for that matter, they're now embracing an aggressive passing offense. The last two games, Justin Jefferson, 21 targets. Kirk Cousins, he's playing like a top five quarterback and could very well end up in the MVP conversation. And looking back at last week's game against Green Bay, Dalvin Cook, he wasn't spectacular. 3.9 yards per carry, 86 yards. The offensive line played very poorly. The defense was kind of strong they started the game off strong but then ultimately gave up four straight touchdowns to end the game so under those circumstances paired with the old conservative timid style of vikings football the vikings lose that game 10 out of 10 times but they didn't and credit starts at the top with the head coach mike zimmer who he's a very prideful man and i'm sure it took a lot for him to say okay the way that i want to win football games is not working And I'm sure that the public bashing from his own players, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins, and in the case of Adam Thielen, also his agent, I'm sure that pushed Mike Zimmer to flip the script with that. But however, whatever led up to that, it doesn't matter because now he's doing it. Because publicly, he's giving the attaboys to his quarterback and his offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak. I want you to go out there and win the game. Kirk Cousins, if you throw an interception, who gives a damn? Think about that. That's a complete 180 of what we know Mike Zimmer to be, especially with what he was saying about Case Keenum in 2017. I don't know what's going to happen. There's still seven games left. And historically with this franchise, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. But in this specific criteria, this box, Mike Zimmer has checked it off and he deserves a ton of credit for that. Absolutely. And and I think the thing is, though, I went into the game against the Packers on Sunday saying, let's see if they keep what they, the formula that they used against the Chargers, because that's the key thing. And they did. So now I think the expectation is that this is somehow, and, and I think we're all amazed because like we're, this is, I didn't see this one coming, but this is the new normal for this team, um, which is great. And, and which gives them a chance Um but now it becomes San Fran, which, by, by the way, has won three of four, is playing well, and loves to run the football. And and the news that came down today, after we got done 
uh, with Boone is the fact that Dalvin Tomlinson is now in the COVID protocol. And if he was close contact, so we don't think he's vaxxed. If he's close contact, it's at least five days if, if he doesn't show symptoms. If he shows symptoms, it becomes 10 days, and then he can't play for sure against San Fran. And you wonder at what point, too. Like, I love the, the fact that this team has had to and has at least the last two weeks embraced the potential for shootouts. Like we're going to score, we're going to score a ton of points boys. Um, But you do wonder where it gets to a point, especially for a run defense, which is not good where it's too much because, um, because Tomlinson was left. Hunter's gone up obviously on the left end. Um, Pierce has gone at nose tackle. If Tomlinson's gone now, um, Richardson, who played some end and some DT against the Packers, almost certainly is going to have to shift inside full-time, which means Griffin is going to have to play more. So in some ways, it's interesting because it does take you down the path of you have no choice now but to say we are just going to, you know, if if we have to score 42 points, we're going to try. Uh, But this, this year has gone so sideways from what Mike probably expected and wants that he is put into the box of saying, Okay, Kirk. Okay, Justin. Okay, Dalvin. Adam. Let's try and score points. But because- that's but like they don't have to hold opponents under twenty four points, really. Like that. In fact, we've gone over all the numbers this week on Purple Daily. When they target in the four games that they target their three best weapons the most frequently, Jefferson, Thielen, and Cook, they're averaging thirty two points per game, and that magic number is sort of seventy percent. If they if they target between handoffs and throws, those three guys, 70% or more, they are 3-1. and one. The lone loss is a missed 37-yard field goal against the Cardinals, and they're averaging 32 points per game. And so, you know, I'm not saying your defense can be a sieve and you can and you can go about the season and, and get to where you want to, but there's leeway here. It doesn't need to be, to judge point, it doesn't need to be the 2017 formula here where, hey, let's let the defense win these games. I like that Mike Zimmer is kind of coming around on this. I'm curious to see if it's just a couple weeks and if he, if he reverts back. But the fact is, Randy, in 2017, after every single victory, in case Keenum in every game would have three or four passes that were sort of 50-50 balls and, like, he's on the run, he's fading away, and he's just dropping a ball into, you know, quadruple coverage or something, and Zimmer would get at the podium every single game, post game, and he would just lament those throws, right? Our quarterback has to be more conservative. Our quarterback can't take those risks. And now he's the opposite. Now Kirk's the one up at the podium saying, well, I feel like about five of those throws were kind of risky. And Zimmer's like, no, they weren't. I don't care. Go throw interceptions. So I, it's, it's a different tone than we heard in 2017. And it's probably a different tone than we heard in the first month of this season too. I think this is a real change. I, I really do. Because I was like Judd saying, okay, after the LA Chargers, let's see if you keep it up. And they have. I think they're going to keep doing this aggressive style of offense. What I will say on the Dalvin Tomlinson front is thankfully the Vikings have been loaded at defensive tackle. Armand Watts, he played well last week. Sheldon Richardson, he's better against the pass. But, okay, he's still a starter for most teams in the league. Mentally, I will say this is a tough football team, the Minnesota Vikings. The fact that every single game comes down to the wire However, they got to stay in games. They do it. Kirk Cousins, he's delivering. He puts this team on his back, especially if the defense lets them down. They're a mentally tough football team. What I will say going up against the Santa Clara 49ers is that they are physical. So it's one thing to be mentally tough. Can you be physically tough against this team on both sides? So on the defensive line, Nick Bosa versus Christian Derisaw. Man, Christian Derisaw on Sunday, he got worked. So that's really a concern that I have. Eric Armstead, I'm assuming he's going to go up against Brian O'Neill. They have a nice defensive line. And even on offense, they are tough physically. Kyle Hooschek, their fullback. George Kittle is a real tight. He's a blocking tight end. He is Mike Zimmer's dream. They have Trent Williams at left tackle. And then when they decide to once in a while line up, Debo Samuel from wide receiver to running back. After all those blocks that you're getting, you have Debo Samuel running right through that. So they're mentally tough. Can they be 
physically tough. That's what I need to see because if, and I'm not moving the goalposts here. I, I, we'll see what happens these next seven games. They beat Green Bay. Hey, they can turn their season around. But if they can beat the San Francisco 49ers, the style of football that they play, this is a team that if you don't shed any blocks, if you don't do it, then what's going to happen? They're going to beat the hell out of you for four quarters. They're going to run clock the last three games. They're top three in average time of possession per game, the San Francisco 49ers. If you don't match that intensity, they're going to continue to drain clock, and that's going to put more pressure on Kirk Cousins and the offense to say, okay, we got to score quickly. Not to say that they can't because every time they're put in that position, they deliver. But if they can beat the 49ers, man, that's going to be really saying something. Yeah, and and um, they love to run. So San Fran is going to run, run, run. But, I mean, this is what so, – so what you're describing too, though, is a really interesting um, – uh, example of going back to the 2019 playoff game. That was a game in which the Vikings got their butts kicked by exactly what you're talking about, which is they are going to try and beat you up. And, and the question is, do you punch them back or do you say, hold on a second, we didn't sign up for that. And and so I love this test, though, for Kirk and this entire team, because like this is a key test. If, if the Vikings go in there, uh, on Sunday and they punch back and go toe to toe, it's going to be another really interesting um, example of the progress that this team has made in the past month. If they go in there and they're, they score some points, but they're like, okay, hold on a second here. We didn't expect this, right? Like this physical type of game. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's going to be a big step back. So like that, that's what I don't remember a season guys in which it feels like every game is a defining game yeah and and it, it's because you know it, it's been uh so close as well but like it feels like every game and this is great but it feels like every game is is like a stage play within itself of another example of okay prove this now prove that now prove this and, and i think you're exactly right i think sunday is largely going to be a you think you're tough? Show you're tough. Uh, I think also their schedule has just been, it's set up to be a test week after week. It's a brutal schedule. On paper it was before the season, and it's mostly held up. A lot of times you, you get into the actual schedule, and it's like, oh, okay, well, those two teams, you know, Dallas, even with a backup quarterback, was formidable. And San Francisco, uh, it, it, that looked like an easier game maybe three weeks ago, but now they're back to being the team yeah. that people thought they were going to be. And I, I'm, I've been arguing with Vikings fans on Twitter shockingly all night tonight. And my main point after those, these last two wins has been why shouldn't the bar be Super Bowl at this point? I'm again, I'm not saying they have, I'm not saying they have a perfectly tuned roster or that their offensive line is amazing or that they're as good as the 98 team or the 019, but I'm looking at the NFC, the one and the two seeds are the Cardinals and the Packers. Well, you just beat the Packers. You basically beat the Cardinals, make a damn 37-yard field goal, right? Everybody else, I mean, Tampa Bay still scares me the most because Tom Brady, they also, when they're healthy, they have great offensive and defensive lines. And so that's, you know, I still think Tampa Bay is the cream of the crop in the NFC. Dallas is really good, but Dallas has also melted down most of the last 25 years, and they're not exactly like a proven force in the playoffs. Uh, the Rams have sputtered lately. There's a lot of imperfect teams in the NFC, and the Vikings have already shown that they can punch with the top two seeds in the NFC. So why shouldn't we hold this team to a bar that says, make a run? Like, it's your eighth year with Mike Zimmer. Kirk Cousins is in his prime. You got weapons all over the place on offense. Like I said, there's a bunch of question marks in the NFC. I mean, it's kind of staring at you right now to make a run the rest of the regular season and do some damage in the playoffs, Randy. That's my thought. Well, my position has always been an NFC championship game or bust this season. That's been my position from, from the beginning, even going back to the offseason. It's been too long. It's time to put up or shut up. And the Vikings are now in a position where they can control their own destiny, and that's what really scares me because every single time the Vikings are – right now they're the, what, sixth seed if the playoffs started right now. Mm-hmm. Every time they're in this position, something stupid just happens. But I'm going to put that to the side and say this season is this season. 
last week against Green Bay was really interesting. The offensive line, I think, I think really the only good offensive lineman that played last week was Ezra Cleveland. He was the one guy that was delivering on the run blocking, especially for Dalvin Cook in that touchdown run that he had. Everybody else, Mason Cole, we saw why I said I don't trust him long term. With Garrett Bradbury, it would have been no different. In fact, it probably would have been worse. Christian Derrissaw, he got work. Brian O'Neill, he didn't play well. But Kirk Cousins was still decisive with his passes. So knowing that information and seeing the pressure come to your face left and right against this team, San Francisco, I I want to say, Judd, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the average time, the time in the quarterback's head to get the ball out is, what, three seconds, one Mississippi, two, three? Yeah. Against a team like San Francisco, I'm going to say dial it down to two, two and a half, because Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead, there's some gangsters. They're going to come out and they're going to make Kirk Cousins feel those hits. But you're right, man. This is it's enough. It's eight years. I'm tired of, OK, they can still get it and we can depend on it. if they can beat San Francisco. That's the tiebreaker right there. So if we're battling out for the seventh seed, OK, the Vikings, they have the tiebreaker over the 49ers. No, nah, man, let's 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 get after it. This team should be blowing the tops off of every single defense that they play. And for the last two games, they've been doing that. There's no excuse, man. It, no team is perfect. Things aren't going to go 100% the way that you expect it every single time. There's no more excuses for this team. I think I'm not going to sit here and have the conviction to say anything that this team, they're back, they're prime, baby. But I think this one switch that Mike Zimmer has flipped, it really gives them a much better shot to make some noise this year. Do you think too? So the the one thing that really intrigues me here. So it, it's like each week, the games are huge. At least it feels that way. And there's like a bunch of things, key things, right? Like that we're trying to see. And here's my thing for for this game. Off of your point, that the pressure is going to be coming. And, and like, yeah, you're right. It, it's not. It's not like the line is, oh, my God, they're playing so well now and they're pass protecting perfectly. And Kirk, I mean, Kirk's done a great job and I give Kirk credit and Kirk has gone through good streaks before. But so here's what intrigues me, though. Post game on Sunday, to Phil's point, Kirk openly talked about, I made some throws there. We'd prefer really not to make those throws like like we'd rather we'd rather like redo those routes and and cut down on the potential uh, mistakes. And it was, you know, whoever is pulling the strings, it's very clear it's not Kirk. Like, Kirk has the talent to, and he's being told to, but he's not. Kirk's not like, you know what, boys, let's cut it. Let's cut things loose. And if I make mistakes, great. So what I want to see, especially in a game like this, where the pressure is going to be coming, is does Kirk have the have the ability to continue to do what he did against the Packers? which is, quite frankly, make some risky throws, scary throws. But if you're throwing it to Jefferson, it's worth the risk. The late throw to Thielen, which could have been picked off. It, it, it could have been housed, yeah. was worth the risk. And then Kirk's like, I really didn't like that throw. And I'm like, oh, Kirk, no, hold on a second. That's the throw that you can, can make. So, so with the pressure dialed up and a defense that is going to be in your face, I am real. I really want to see Kirk now be told we got to do it again against a team like this to see how how he responds and what he does. Can I say real quick that I f- I feel like this risky throw thing has has gone like five steps too far. That like and even Mike Zimmer is kind of perpetuating it. It's not about throwing interceptable passes to me. It's about throwing the ball more in the intermediate area of the field. And and just to to bust out the numbers again, Kirk was third from the bottom heading into last week for the season in average depth of throw. His average throw traveled six, six and a half yards in the air. So I don't need, like, listen, if Justin Jefferson's open 40 yards down the field, awesome. Boom. Hit him and and put a big play on the board. I'm talking about working like 10 to 15, 10 to 20 yards in the air. They don't need to be 50-50 balls. It doesn't need to be triple coverage. It just needs to be something deeper than a swing pass to Alex Madison or uh, a dump off over the middle to, to to Conklin. Like, how about Justin Jefferson, 11 yards in the air, 
with some room to run, right? Like, it doesn't have to be that, oh, he's got to take risks 15 times per game now. It's like, no, just like just like throw the ball 10 yards down the field and and find your best weapons. And and by the way, same goes for Kubiak. Scheme these types of plays so that you can take advantage of the intermediate part of the field. And just quickly, too, the thing about what Kirk did against the Packers, and we talk about this because Mike says, hey, you know, if he gets picked, he gets picked. And Kirk says, I made throws I didn't like. Um, the reality of the, it's so, the re- so scary, right? But the reality of that game, guys, is very simple. And we, at the time back then, we never would have had this discussion. That was as close to a any game. Go back and pull the film '98 Cunningham Moss Carter game as you will get. And we never talked about. Randall Cunningham made some very dangerous throws. That was there. awfully and, dangerous. Yeah, I don't know if I would have thrown that ball to Moss. Be I careful. Don't know. <laughs> the, the, the Thielen pass, which was classified in the scorebook as a short pass, um, was a Chris Carter special. Like, Chris Carter caught that ball all the time. So, so like, so like this is not some revelation of, oh, Kirk Cousins has gone out of his mind crazy. What this is, though, is them expressing – you know, I don't know if we should have done that. Um, but the but the definitive answer without any question is, oh no, you should have. You need to. You know what's funny? That catch that Adam Thielen made on the sidelines where Russell Douglas just had a brain fart. It's if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it the Packers versus the Cardinals a few weeks back where AJ Green turned around and just when Kyler Murray threw the ball to him? He could have made a play on the ball, but he didn't. Was that against Green Bay? In the end, yeah. in the end zone. The it's that funny one, how that came full circle. It's funny how it came full Gosh. circle because it was in their favor against Arizona, and then it came yes. back to bite them in the ass against yep. Minnesota. But Kirk Cousins is that quarterback. He needs a pat on the back, which is why I think it's crucial. I think it really says a lot that Mike Zimmer gave him an attaboy. I want you to be aggressive here. I want you to trust your receivers. And Clint Kubiak, his play calling has been exceptional. There was not that long ago we were saying, all right, dude, you should you should be fired. You're in way over your head here. But everything is coming along right for this quarterback, even though the offensive line has not been great. But I think because of the support system that he has with his head coach now, where he's publicly embracing this guy, where that goes against everything that Mike Zimmer has ever done. He's like, just handle the offense. I don't care. I just care about my defense. But now that he's publicly supporting his quarterback, I think it speaks volumes. I watched, I don't know if you guys had a chance, probably not because I think it just came out tonight, but part two of Tom Brady's Man in the Arena. They're doing this amazing series on ESPN+. I got to watch part one. It's awesome. So part two came out tonight, and it was all about the second Super Bowl title. And some of the tough decisions, like Bill Belichick cut Lawyer, Lawyer Malloy, and they got smoked by the Bills in Week One, and, the, and Lawyer Malloy was with the Bills in Week One. So there was, there was all these questions still about did Belichick ruin the locker room because they they weren't the dynasty Patriots yet. And, but then they then they shifted from there to Brady and Belichick's relationship blossoming and that carrying over into the locker room, and how all the way back to the early two thousands, those guys would spend a huge chunk of time every Tuesday. They wouldn't wait till Thursday. They would do it on Tuesday, and they would off. sit down in Bill's office. Yeah, on a yes. day off. Because quarterbacks off. help game plan if you trust them. And so they would sit down. They would look at film. They would talk strategy. And, you know, that's something that you wonder, well, why? There's a million different reasons why the Patriots became the greatest, you know, football team in history over a 20-year stretch, but... I think a big one is the quarterback and the coach being on the same page from day one and a defensive-minded, a great defensive-minded coach with those championship Giants teams in the 80s that built a relationship with his quarterback, his 22-year-old, 20-whatever, 23-year-old quarterback in the early 2000s. And, and I will always say this, as hard as I am on Kirk and as much as I think that you know Kirk tends to melt in the biggest moments he's been good this season he's never really had that type of relationship but if mike is finally giving that to him after four years and all right we can we can do 45 minutes on thursdays maybe some of that is carrying over you know maybe kirk having his best season as a viking is not a coincidence maybe it's a product of 
those conversations with Zimmer. And maybe there's a few things here and there that are preventing a turnover or are leading to a game-winning drive that wouldn't have happened two years ago. So we can criticize Zimmer for not building that relationship more three or four years ago, but maybe we are seeing some of that payoff now that he's finally discovered how to build a connection with the guy. Yeah, and at this at this point, especially with Kellen Mond just being inactive all the time, you have to think, what is the plan here? Because Kirk Cousins, I would think, I wouldn't even mind if the Vikings gave, if they kept Kirk Cousins beyond this season. I know we flirted with the idea that, okay, they could trade him after this season, save a ton of cap, but what else would you have? He, the way he's playing right now, it's just you, whatever you have behind door number two, you better be right. The only hesitation I have here is that, okay, Mike Zimmer, he's doing great, and he's embracing his quarterback, and he's supporting him, and that's fantastic. Clint Kubiak, okay. About what, every other year, we go through the offensive coordinator carousel. Clint Kubiak, you think he's going to turn down any head coaching offers out of sheer loyalty? No, he's going he's gonna to go for it, like every offensive coordinator does. It's not like Bill Belichick with Josh McDaniels. I don't see that happening. So if he goes, I like the fact that Mike Zimmer is saying, go for the win, go for the win. But everything they're doing schematically essentially walks out with Clint Kubiak. And you have to say, okay, we have to start over again. That's the only, the only real, I guess, concern that I have moving forward after this season. Obviously there's seven games left and they can turn their season around, but Kirk Cousins, man, I, if they kept him beyond this season, I wouldn't even be mad about it. Can you guys see him hoisting a Super Bowl trophy? Like, can you envision confetti falling on Cousins? Kirk Cousins' head? Oh, absolutely not. No way. No, I, we're we're in the we're in the middle of of what has been. I I feel like to get to where we are right now has been pulling teeth. Like it's been pull, and and that's not Kirk's <laughs> fault, but it's been pulling. Don't be teeth. pulling those pearly white teeth People out of Kirk's have, mouth. People have had to people have had to bend and contort their beliefs of football in ways that I've never seen before. <laughs> this is this, just be five and five. This is but this is Mike trying to save Mike's job, and somebody clearly True. talked to Mike, and things have changed. You know, and so, but but here here's where I am optimistic, and I keep saying this, and this is what I really am excited about, and I think it's the most important thing, with or without Kirk. But let's just say it's with Kirk. Can you imagine with the personnel components, skill position-wise, and Irv Smith is coming back at some point here. Can you imagine if you got a real offensive, and I'm saying good one, offensive mind here, what you've got? Like, this is a powder keg. Like, like we are, we basically are, like, found, found the sparklers and stuff, and we're like, oh, this is so cool. Look at our sparklers. Look at this. Look at that. And, like, you've got a fireworks show in your garage that you don't know how to do it. Um, that's what Jefferson Cook, Thielen, potentially Kirk too, Irv Smith. Like, like if you've got a Sean McVay savant type who's like, all right, it's go time now. Like, we're excited, and I don't blame us. I'm not, I am not faulting fans one bit. But Jefferson lines up in the backfield, and I geek out too. I'm like, he's lined up in the backfield. What's he gonna like? Think about that. A veteran savvy football offensive coach would be like judd calm the bleep down i could do like 18 different things with <laughs> yeah that. it is like it is amazing how because we've we just haven't seen aggressive offense or offensive innovation here that like we're all just like the last two weeks everyone is just like holy crap oh my god look at what this team can randy, do. randy have that. you seen like, what they're doing yeah. <laughs> jefferson was in the backfield oh my but god the, but the other trap that we tend to fall into here watching this team year after year is they go on these little runs and it's like yeah here it is like they've figured it out and then there's always there's always like a door number two where like you open the door and you just fall into like it's like a bond movie like the trap door opens and they lose to the bears or something in a game that they're not supposed to like they need to avoid those, right? Like they didn't, they didn't win yeah. the Super Bowl. You know, Cheesehead TV. Our guy Aaron Nagler was chiding the soulless franchise, the Vikings, for <laughs> like ce- celebrating your midseason Super Bowl. But it's like, like, yeah, it was definitely a, an overly emotional reaction by a sad Packers fan. But there's some truth in it, in that the Vikings have never won a Super Bowl, and sometimes. We celebrate the comeback against the Broncos. See, look now, like Kirk daggered the Broncos down by 20 a couple of years ago. 
Or look what like look at Judd, why don't you say you were wrong? Look what happened against the Packers. It's like, well, the great teams, which is what the bar should be, right? Can you be a great team that can win a Super Bowl? That performance against the Packers and that win against the Chargers, they do that like eight or nine times a year, right? It's just it's it's a recurring thing for the best teams, the Chiefs, what the Rams have been for the better part of the last few years. You rack up 11, 12, 13 wins in the regular season instead of sneaking in with 8, 9, or 10. That's what I want to see in the second half of this season. See, I don't even know if the mass, if the masses of Vikings fans looked at that game last Sunday and said, okay, that's our Super Bowl. I think we were all ecstatic because that was a big win against an NFC North opponent. Mm-hmm. The Vikings needed that. Otherwise, they would have went down to, what, they were 4-5. and five. They would have went down to 4-6. and six. So you needed that win. That was a huge win. And the way that they did it, where it's like, okay, Justin Jefferson, are we looking at, not saying that he is, but, I mean, if there's anyone that comes close to a baby Moss, is this really what we have right here? That's why we're excited. But going to the, can the Vikings, can they, the one thing that that I always stay kind of cautiously optimistic about, or I guess kind of have my guard up a little bit, is the hope factor. Because every single time when you say, oh, my God, I can trust this team again. Look at this. Everything's going great. Something dumb always happens. And you sit there looking at yourself like, why did I do this again? Really? But on the idea, can Kirk Cousins, can he hoist the Lombardi trophy and confetti and all that stuff? I'm honestly at the point now. I've been following this team for 21 years. I started in 2000. They lost to the Giants in the NFC Championship game, 41 Donut, 2009, even though the Saints cheated, whatever. 2017, NFC Championship game, 2015, wide left. I've just, I've seen this enough times that until I see the Vikings actually win the championship and I come back from my out-of-body experience, (laughs) I won't believe, I need to see it to believe it first. Yeah, and that's completely fair. And I, I just don't think, like, there are things about this team that I, I like. And I, I think if they do the future right, it's bright. Like, And, and I don't think that that includes Mike. I just don't. I, I think it includes an offensive coach. I think it includes a change of, of a coach that that knows how to embrace the entire game and team. Like, I mean, you know, Mike's defensive guys love Mike, and that's great. But But – we kid, but it really is a problem that that he has expended so much of his career here, basically being like, I'm going to go get my defense rebuilt. The other thing to keep in mind, too, and we're not discussing this because they've won two consecutive games, and quite frankly, it's fun to watch them score points. But what we're not discussing, too, is this, this rebuilt defense through oh, attrition yeah. and guys yeah. being hurt and guys just not being as good as, as we thought. Currently in, in yards, which I know is not is not the biggest thing, but it's still if it's bad, that's not good. They are twenty eighth. They are twenty eighth, and they're twenty second in points, which is and, and we had talked about for this team to reach what they what they wanted to that they probably you know had to get back to close to the top ten, if not solidly in the top ten. Twenty eighth and twenty second is not great. And and so we probably are trying to ignore that. But when Mike had built the whole thing of we're going to go sign guys and we're not going to, you know, we're not going to sign a guard because we're, we're going to get, we got Pierce, we're going to get Tomlinson too, and we're going to get this and that. That defense is a problem. And, and when Rodgers comes down, and I know he's great and he's fantastic, but when he comes down in the second half in your building and literally picks you apart, and we didn't talk about this, but the post-game Patrick Peterson quote, and boy, is he smooth. God, is he a pro's pro. I love to hear that guy talk. But when somebody said that last touchdown, which was, of course, the one-play, one-drive touchdown, yep. and Patrick Peterson's like, we got really aggressive. And somebody tried to push him on like, oh, yeah, say more. And he's like, I'm not going to say anything more. We just got really aggressive. That was not a player thing. He was he was saying Mike. Mike thought that Mike knew best. Um, and I don't think Peterson, one, suffers fools, or two, buys into things he does not like. But that was a very interesting telling quote to say, basically, 
we bit off far more than we could chew at a time when we probably shouldn't have done that because that's what I heard. Maybe there was a, a mad geniusness behind it, though, because letting if Rodgers is going to score anyways, you might as well let it happen <laughs> right away. Give yourself two, two, but he prides himself two on, minutes on stopping and timeouts. Him. He prides himself on stopping him, not not allowing him to score. But there's but there's a certain like you. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but like you're going to have to flip the way that you think if you're Zimmer going forward and that your defense is going to give up a touchdown in that spot to Aaron Rodgers. So your thinking should be, yeah, like let's try and stop him and pray to God that he throws a pick or something, but let's make sure that if he scores, there's at least 45 seconds on the clock so we can go down and kick a field goal. Like he's going to have to think more like that than he well, ever has if in they his give entire a, career. If they give a point, yes, but I think they were at like what the the 20 or something, 25. Probably the 25. Yeah, it was, I, think I think it was a 75 yeah. yard. So like that. Hit. So like like yeah. that was going to be a like you'd like to have some success there. Well, Xavier Woods, he gave up. I want to say, goodness, of those four touchdowns, I want to say he gave up at least two. He may have given up three of those. But this defense is shot to hell. And not only that, with the amount of players that are on one-year deals, this is just – maybe it is sustainable. I was about to say it's not sustainable, but the defense possibly not being as great next year, maybe it is sustainable being that. But at the same time, this offense is what this team, if they're going to win anything, is on this offense. It's not sustainable if you lose your offensive coordinator and you have to rebuild the defense all over again and say, okay, we're going to maintain the same offense that we had in 21, but also our defense is going to be better now. I just feel like, and this goes into maybe a broader, I guess, take that I have. I just look at Robert Sala in New York with the Jets. I just feel like it's better long term for a team to have an offensive minded coach than a defensive minded coach. Now, Robert Sala, he's in what? his first year with New York, so give him time. But at the same time, for if you're going to have a defensive-minded head coach outside of Bill Belichick, why? Because he can have guys like Josh McDaniels uh, to basically be his consistent OC, and obviously it doesn't hurt to have the GOAT quarterback, Tom Brady. But besides that, you just need so many things to go right for you, whereas if you have the same quarterback and the same offense – and maybe you interchange a couple of receivers once in a while. Mm-hmm. That's going to give you longer success versus a defensive-minded head coach because if you have a guy like Xavier Rhodes in 2017 that goes from a bona fide shutdown corner to then, okay, he's finished, it changes everything. So I, I just I think after this season, unless they get to the NFC Championship game, I just don't see how you can move forward with him coming back. It's amazing, man. This team is a gravitational pull toward 500. This it, Kirk Cousins has been throughout his career. You know, the Vikings, I think since the Wilfs took over, are averaging eight and a half wins per season over the last, what, 16 seasons. And here we are again. They're five and five. They have a chance to be much better than 500 just looking at their schedule. But um, everything, everything always sort of tracks toward a really difficult decision. Like, well, it wasn't a train wreck where we're going to fire everyone, but <laughs> do we want greatness? Can we achieve it with the current collection? And we're, and we're kind of headed toward the same thing as we go into December here. Uh, Judd, let's shout out our friends at Surly Brewing Company here, helping us stay hydrated and uh, helping us have fun over the holiday weekend. You, you mean there that they've got right here, Surly Furious IPA, Thanksgiving is coming up. And you know what that means? Doesn't mean turkey. Forget the turkey. Cranberries, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. Stuffing, do what you want. But surly furious on the table. You darn right. Exactly right. All that of that starts... food is just a base for the surly. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. If you don't have this sitting on your Thanksgiving Day table, then what are you doing? Huh? Football and surly, especially. Furious is fantastic. In fact, I want you to, on Thursday, take a picture with that phone. Take a picture with that phone at Jay Zolgan on Twitter. What should they do, guys? Uh, show us, show your, us cans. your cans. That's right. Exactly show us right. your cans. Yep, exactly. Uh, hey, a shout out to, to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They're all about risk management. We're trying to tell the Vikings, no, throw caution to the wind. Screw risk. Just throw the ball on the field. And Zim's well, like, I'm getting federated. 
Yeah, Zim's like, uh, actually, Kirk's like, I'm going to get federated. Zim's like, no, you don't need insurance. Uh, but federated's here to help business owners with risk management, bottom line protection, protecting your employees. They've been around for over 100 years. They're based in Owatonna, Minnesota. They are one of us. And you can find them online at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. For the record, Football Outsiders has the Vikings defense <laughs> at 13th in DVOA, which accounts for the context of the yards. So um, now that also, I think, accounts for the fact that they built that. I think that was a top 10 unit with Daniil Hunter fully healthy. So any really anything they did defensively with Daniil Hunter probably has to be thrown out the window. It's like they're going to have to scheme differently. It's going to be you know, a, a major rotation. Hell, uh, Sheldon Richardson was playing a lot of left defensive end in that game on Sunday, and he was yeah. very effective. So, uh, Randy, are you uh, are you going to make it out to the game? I know you swore off going to that game when they were just garbage a few weeks ago, but, I mean, now it's interesting. No, no, I'm not going to go. My mom, <laughs> my mom is uh, flying out here tomorrow to the Bay Area, so I'm going to hang out with her right. and my stepfather. And quite honestly, I used to work in Silicon Valley, Bowers Avenue. The traffic down there is absolutely ridiculous when it's not game day. So now that it is going to be game day, I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it, man. So I'm going to hang out. I'm going to watch the game at home where I have my own bathroom to myself 10 feet <laughs> that's, away. That's a major factor. Yeah, really huge factor. HD TV. <laughs> yeah. I have my own food. I have all that stuff. And all I got to do is roll out of bed and walk downstairs. I'm super good. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, Skull Gaming says Judd's blood type is Surly Furious Surly Fur- IPA. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, it's red. Nothing wrong with that. Huh? Uh, right now, by the way, the uh, the sports books mostly have this game at minus three San Francisco. So the Niners has three point favorites. There's a few that have it at three and a half. Right now, it looks like so. Yeah, sixty two percent of the money is on the Vikings for this game. Fifty four percent of the bets are on the Vikings here too. I don't know. That's that's tough. I think I would probably love to jump on the Vikings and get the the three points there, but. It kind of I, I do wonder what this spread would have looked like a couple weeks back. Maybe there's some overreaction here to to the because the Niners have won their last two games by 20 points um, each. I think it's like 30 to 10 in both those games, but but that's how Vegas sees it. Niners as a slight home favorite, three points, boys. That's probably fair. Yeah. Uh, Randy, any final thoughts from you going into a game where the Vikings can pull above 500 for the first time all season? I'm just going to sit back and watch it. I, I can't have any expectations because every time where it's okay, everything's lined up for the Vikings to take over, control their own destiny. Look how far they've come from how they've started this season. They've won their last two games in such terrific fashion. Everybody feels great. I'm going to sit back and watch. Now, if they beat the Niners, I think that's when I'm going to shake my ass for this team. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Somebody just said in the Maybe. comments that, that they would point? get a Kirk Cousins tattoo on their ass if the Vikings win the Super Bowl. Will you go that far, Randy? Will you, will you get a Kirk Cousins tattoo on your ass? Uh. Yeah, temporary one. You like that? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll do no, that. No, I'm not doing that for anyone. Like that. Well, the tattoo artist shouts you like that the entire time they're drawing on you. No, yeah. no, no, no. That all sounds like a really bad idea. That sounds no. like a terrible idea. Just a little peel-off sticker. But, I mean, this team, so, so... And I'll put it on myself. Yeah. The thing with this team, though, is, like, making the playoffs now should should be just totally like expected right i mean there's seven seeds now that seven seed is not going to be a great team so like it's not like it's not like two or three three years back where oh my god you got the six seed you snuck in right now it's like there's seven seeds so i my expectation when this year started was really high and and so i'm not so so i i have found this year to be extremely interesting and and as I said before, every game is like its own little play, which I which I actually do enjoy. Uh, but I'm not buying in until I see like a playoff run, because because like this this to me is not like this feel good. Oh, I didn't expect them to be good, and now they're good. Like it's not that. It's I expected you to be good. You get off to, you know, a bad start. The other thing quickly too is this: this league among all sports, this league especially, evens itself out, right? 
like for all we talked about, yeah. well, they missed the field goal against the Cardinals and that cost them and bad luck there. Cincinnati, bad luck there. You know what? The, the Packers game, they got some good luck, but that's this league. You know, I, I, if the, if the uh, Packers safety doesn't drop the ball, Packers probably win, but that's just this league. It's yeah. it's not like this whole thing of, well, the Vikings deserve to lose that game. No, it's just a weird league based on a play here or a play there. And, and so this whole thing of like, it's been bad luck and the Vikings are, you know, are getting screwed is offset by, well, the Packers probably got screwed too, but who cares? The Vikings won the game. Yeah, they're getting hot at the right time, the Vikings are. It's not so much how you start the season. But when you get hot at the right time where, I mean, we're past the midseason point. If they can beat the Niners, that's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Darnell Savage could have had about three interceptions in that game on Sunday. Rasul Douglas, he could have had one. So, sure, yeah, you could say that about every team. If this went well or if this play happened or this play, that's just the NFL. I just, I just, I've seen this enough times that, until I see this team actually win the whole thing, I'm always going to be in the back of my head saying, okay, what's going to happen next? I don't know. I, I just want to throw this out there that beating the Packers opened the door a sliver for the division. Just a sliver. They're still two and a half games back, but they have a, they have a, game, in, uh, they have a game against the Packers still, so they have to win that. The Packers have to play a rested Rams team this weekend off a of bye, and the Rams are coming off an embarrassing, I think, two embarrassing losses, and so they're gonna. They, they the Rams will have spent two weeks oh. off a of bye preparing. The Packers have a banged up Rodgers who can barely walk. It sounds like with that toe injury. So if the Packers lose that game, the Packers also have to play at the Ravens on December nineteenth. So I'm just saying, just, just what's going to help the Packers there. is you're building it up, just throwing it their, out there. Their bye is coming up. So that's that's okay, gonna help them rest. Congratulations. But they fine. do have a lot of guys hurt. Like like they do have they do have a lot of guys hurt who aren't coming back. So and via Tankathon, the Vikings have the easiest schedule remaining in the division. They actually have the twenty fifth easiest schedule, but that's because they have the Lions and the Bears still twice that account for that. But the Packers are twentieth. So them yeah, getting the Packer, healthy. The though, Packers still have games against the Bears and the Lions as well. Correct. And the Browns, and that's not a gimme game, but the, the Packers get the Browns at Lambeau Field on Christmas, and the Browns look very train wrecky going into December, which is kind of hilarious. It's that too they bad. Do. They had like one good really season, is, now isn't they're it? just like back to looking for a quarter. They're going to be looking well, for a quarter. Phil's right about that. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why, but I just enjoy the The Browns should suck. <laughs> Baker, May- Baker Mayfield is just like suck. lashing out. Put in out. Case. Put in Casey. The, the world, Um, they actually might, too. Put in Casey. I think, guy. They, I think they might. I think they might put in Casey. Casey if January second comes down to Vikings Packers playing for the NFC North division, I, that's going to be too wild for me. Let's it, get it. It's Randy's like a kill. LFG right? because it's just setting up for the ultimate letdown. But maybe they could win. They won this that game, Randy. Than other years, Zimmer won. I don't know. Won that game in in. 15, right? Dude, if With, that game gets if, if the Packers open the door, the Vikings walk through on Didn't December. Didn't the Vikings 2nd. win there? Damn right. With I don't remember. Teddy in 2015. Yes, in 2015. They, did. they, they did. won that game. Well, they, in they, know, but they, they won it at home in 2012, right? Did they win they, it at home? They, Week 17. Yeah, they won that. That was No, they got into the playoffs. They got in the playoffs. The Packers the, won the division. The 2015 game was for the division in yeah. Lambeau on Sunday Night Football yeah. before Blair Walsh. Teddy threw don't open the door. I Don't mean, open but the you know, door. The expectations Left-handed. weren't quite there in 2015 like they are right now. True. So I, the okay, build somebody, is what kills me. Well, let's get to this real quick here, too, that because there are rumors and the press was asking Matt Nagy that there is a yeah, report that, that it's been decided that he will be yeah. fired on Friday because it's just... It, it is hard to fire someone when you have a Thursday night game, and it's like you have to, the travel and the game planning. It's just it's not the right week to overthrow things. But what if the Bears just like beat the brakes off the Lions forty-one to three? Do you still fire Nagy on Friday? I mean, he's I think, still like he's not the guy, but like, can you fire him if they they're going to beat the Lions probably? If I'm the Vikings, I beg them not to fire him. Yeah, you'd rather them not get the jolt you, right before you yeah, play them true. two times, right? That's you kind of unfortunate. Not, oh man, that that short term high, new guy. Uh uh-uh. uh. You don't yeah, want that smoke. I'm just man. trying to see like is there any is there any way so the Vikings don't play the Bears for another month 
There's no way that dude hangs on for another month, right? Right. They've kept him around this long. So I just, true. until they actually fire him, because he's given Chicago every reason to fire him in the first place, and they still just trot along and say, no, it's, it's going to be all right. So they're, well, and by the way, they're probably going to lose. Like, the Lions have come so close to winning a game this year. Like, this is probably the game Lions. <laughs> but if they, if they do get by the Lions and say, all right, one more week, then they have to play the Cardinals at Green Bay before they play the Vikings. So Maybe Colt yeah. McCoy. So the, the one thing about that, too, though, is, and, and this, this might not be the norm, but it's going to have to, to become acceptable. If you, if you get in as the last seed, you still have to you still have to at least consider firing the coach if you don't like the look of things. Like it's not like you're a playoff team. Like like the sixth seed, it's like, okay, the coach saved his job, right? Yeah. The, the the Bears would have been very wise at the end of last year to be like, okay, seventh seed. That was great. Matt, you're fired. If I had yeah, I just and think it's hilarious. Why. Like fire Nagy chants are breaking out at Bulls games now and stuff. Oh, his kids football, his kids yeah. high school that football too, game. That too, I know. That's great. That's fire Nagy just wants to watch his son play, man. Yeah, let him have Poor peace. Guy. Leave him alone. Really? Was he oh. at the game? Was he at the game? They were chanting that. From or what did I they... read, he was at the game. Oh God, that's yeah. terrible, dude. And his son's just on the sidelines. What's so terrible oh, about it? These poor people have to watch this crap. Well, it's a high school football game for his kid, dude. And you know what? His kid can go do something else. <laughs> go do band. They're yeah. not gonna. They're, they're not going to chant. Chant to fire you, your did, like, dad. Does Nagy show up? The French horn. Does Nagy go like on a date on a Tuesday night to Olive Garden with his <laughs> wife? Just show up. And in Olive Garden breaks out yeah. in a fire Nagy chant too. Well, you know Where? what? Don't blame people if they do. And Nagy living in Chicago going to Olive Garden would be very on brand for the terribleness that is Matt Nagy. So I hope he just, actually does do that. Just wear a wig, a mustache, some shades, no matter where you Yeah, you're dress doing. up like Mike No Dicta. one will know who he is. Yeah. Great. Olive Garden is delicious, Sweater guys. Best. And if you don't enjoy the hey, bottomless uh, uh, They want to sponsor balance. Score North Programming. Ooh. I'll be there every week. And yeah, breadsticks? Greatest breadsticks. Yeah. Oh, my God. Listen, we will rave about Olive Garden all day long. If they want to jump actually on board. Like I was about to say, are they your sponsors? That's why I didn't yeah, say anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I'm definitely not that great. Yeah. Uh, all right, boys. We gotta, are, as Patrick Royce I'm would done. say, we gotta go. You can you can check out Realistic Randy's YouTube channel. Just search Realistic Randy, and uh, if you are enjoying the Vikings two game win streak, click the like button on this particular episode and the subscribe button, and we'll give you daily Vikings entertainment and therapy in return. All right, boys. Five and five, home stretch time. Enjoy your turkey day. And we'll see you guys for yeah, Vikings Ventline on Sunday, right after Vikings Niners is over. Purple After Dark.